All right, well, glad you guys are here. Um, I know that we have a lot of visitors tonight, uh, and I want to say hi, um, welcome, we're glad you're here, just as Jason said. My name's Jonathan, uh, and I hope a lot of other people have welcomed you here as well tonight. Let's pray together, and then we're going to look at some scripture and some stuff we'll talk about here in just a second. God, thank you for bringing every person here, every student in this room, and God, we pray that you would help us to focus during this time, not be distracted, just as Jason prayed earlier, by anything or anyone during this time that you would speak and we would hear from you in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in a series about world religions, and today we're looking at two, actually, um, and there's debates on whether they're religions or cults, but we're going to look at two of them tonight, and, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that kind of set the tone for this, uh, and, and hopefully this will give you an idea of not just what we're talking about, but the angle uh, that we're coming from in this whole series, but the angle that I'm coming from tonight. Uh, we're looking at Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism tonight. Uh, and I want you to know uh, that a couple things. This is why we're doing this, uh, this series, so that you can understand how all these different world religions are different uh, than Christianity, what it looks like. And there's a lot of people in here, and I know we have actually some Mormons in the room and uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses too, uh, and we're glad you're here. Um, I want you to know that uh, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and for many of you who don't know, uh, that's the home or the hub central hub of Mormonism where it moved to after what some of the things we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, most of my friends growing up were Mormon. Uh, most of my best friends growing up were Mormon, or as they'll call themselves LDS, but uh, for the sake of understanding and clarity and, and what we believe about it, we'll call it Mormonism. Um, so they were, uh, I had a lot of friends that were Mormon, but listen to this, uh, listen to this verse, 1 John 4, 1, it says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So that's one of the things that we're kind of looking when we look at all these things to see uh, what's true and what's not true. But listen to this next verse, and this will give you the angle, because um, you can say, well, he's just saying there's all these false prophets. I want you to understand a, a different picture to this and a little bit uh, different angle to this. It says, Ephesians chapter 4, this will come up on the screen. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Look at the person next to you and say, speak the truth. Look at the person on the other side of you and say, speak the truth. Look at the person in front or behind you and say, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Now look over at him and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that because I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. Right? Okay, here's the thing. There's a huge difference between speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love. So I want you guys to understand something as we're looking at this each and every week, but tonight as we're looking at this, I want you to know that my goal 
is to speak the truth to you guys in love. I'm not gonna be bashing people. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna be mean about people. Like I said, I have a lot of good friends that are Mormon, grew up with some of my best friends uh, were Mormon. I, I have some people that I, I love dearly that are Jehovah's Witness and Mormon. It's okay. A lot of my family is Mormon, not my immediate family, but like my extended family is Mormon. Uh, and so I have a lot of people that I love and so I'm going to try to speak the truth in love. So if this is you and you're thinking, uh, if you're thinking, you know, he's just going to be bashing these two religions, these two cults, whatever you want to call them, I, I want you to know I'm not, my goal is not to bash. My goal is to help you understand what they teach and what difference it makes for you if you believe the Christian, uh, if you believe Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible what the difference is and what it, what it makes for you. And then here's the next thing I wanna tell you. Some of you will be tempted to take this information and go like beat people over the head with it. That's not, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to have this information so you have an understanding so that you can go and love people more because you understand a little bit more about who they are and why they believe what they believe, okay? So that's, that's my goal. So we're gonna speak the truth in love. We're gonna start. Um, and it says, by the way, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So we're going to start with Jehovah's Witnesses. I want you to know that almost all the information that we're talking about tonight isn't just like the stuff I made up. You know, I don't just read this stuff on blogs of people that are bashing Jehovah's Witness. I went to jw.org. That's jehovahswitness.org. Like that's where I go. And I went and looked at all the different stuff and almost everything that I'm going to tell you about them. Obviously, they don't disagree with themselves, so some of the things that we disagree on uh, aren't going to come from them. But almost everything I tell you about them comes straight from their website. Now, in the background, give you a little background on them. First of all, uh, in 1870 to 1875, there's a group of people in Pennsylvania who started uh, a Bible study, and out of this Bible study uh, was transformed Jehovah's Witnesses, and they called themselves Bible students. These people called themselves Bible students, and there was a man named Charles R Taze Russell. <clears throat> he was 19 years old when all of this started, and they were studying the Bible, and I want you to know, by the way, that's a common theme of the two uh, people that started these, these things tonight. Uh, they were studying the Bible, and then uh, something major happened. And the church, the Jehovah's Witness, that, that religion, that cult, whatever you call it, we'll call it religion tonight for the sake of calling them world religions, was formally founded in 1879 by Charles Taze Russell. And 30 years later, they, they, there was writings and stuff that were coming out, but they started writing these writings called The Watchtower. Now, if any of you guys have ever had people knock on your door that are Jehovah's Witness, and by the way, I know a lot of people get confused between Mormons and Jehovah's Witness because they knock on your doors a lot. Um, <clears throat> if you've ever had a Jehovah's Witness come to your door, they're going to have a watchtower, little magazine kind of uh, writing that is gonna be with them. And they're gonna be talking about that. Now, they read everything through, you know, they, they have their own translation of the Bible. Um, it's not the same as your Bible and my Bible. It might sound the same in some parts, but it is entirely different in other parts. It is, um, it is just, it's different. So if you, ever, if you ever see that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, just know that they have to translate everything through the watchtower. So here's some of their basic beliefs about who Jesus is, which is obviously critical for Christianity. <clears throat> they say that Jesus is God's son, but he is not God. He's just a good person. Uh, and that he used to be an angel. 
that Jesus used to be an angel, and then when he came to earth, he became Jesus. Now, about the Holy Spirit, they say the Holy Spirit is not God. It's just this impersonal force that's kind of in the universe, in in the world, this impersonal force. Um, About the afterlife, I believe the earth is here forever, that there is a a special class of 144,000 anointed people, 144,000, 144,000, 144,000 people that are the anointed class, and those are the only people that get to what we would think of in Christianity terms, what we would think of as heaven. 144,000 people of all time, like forever. And by the way, that number has already been reached, okay? There's 144,000 people, and they get to spend forever with their God that they call Jehovah. Now, I want you to know something about both of these uh, religions that we're talking about tonight. They sound a lot like the same things that you and I would say. So they're going to talk about God. They're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, Jehovah's Witness, they'll talk about Jehovah. which, by the way, is a word that is used in the Bible of Jehovah. Now, the the translation that that Charles Taze took, uh, uh, Taze Russell took with it, uh, is entirely different than what it means in the Bible, but he took a different translation because he didn't understand the Greek, and there's a whole lot of things to that. But I want you to know that they call their God Jehovah, and it's a lot different than the God that we understand in the Bible. And then the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses, all the rest of them will spend forever on the earth. Now, they have a thousand years to kind of prove themselves. If you don't go to heaven, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, then you're just annihilated and everything's over. And by the way, you're killed by Jesus and the other angels. Like, you're you're just annihilated, you die, and that's the end. But if you're a Jehovah's Witness, then you get to live either 144,000 with Jehovah forever or on earth forever, kind of a heaven on earth sort of thing. And then um, they had uh, a couple different dates. When you think about like, what do they believe about how everything's going to end and what the end and the afterlife kind of looks like, uh, they made, and by the way, this was, as you could tell, this is less than 150 years ago that this religion came to be, less than 150 years ago. And when this happened, they started making these dates and they said, Jesus is going to come back on this date. And guess what? He didn't come back. And then before, before Russell died, he, before Charles Russell died, what happened was he said, Jesus is going to come back in 1914. He didn't come back. And they said it was a calculation error. It's going to be next year, 1915. Guess what? It didn't happen. And then he said it's going to be 1918, and by the way, he passed away in 1916, so he didn't get to see that Jesus still didn't come back at that time. And then his predecessor, the guy that came after him, uh, I'm sorry, the guy that came after him, Joseph Rutherford, said 1925. The successor right after him who took over and kind of began to to lead that charge said 1925, and guess what? It didn't happen. And they started saying all these things about world wars and civil wars and all these kind of things that were going to happen, and of course, they didn't happen. And every time these dates would come and these dates would go, people would leave the church, and then they'd set another date, and people would leave the church when when it came and went. And then, and then they said like 1975 and 1979 and three, quarter or, uh, three quarters of a million people left after that one when it didn't happen. They left immediately because they're like, man, I, I can't buy into this anymore. But they've set all these dates and it didn't happen. <clears throat> so how is it like Christianity? 
When you think of Jehovah's Witnesses, you have, you have a couple things. Number one, they meet in a church. They call them kingdom halls. You see a building that they gather together in, and so they go to their kingdom hall. They go to their church, and so it looks a lot like, you know, they do similar things to what we might do. They would say that they believe in God or, or Jehovah, and it sounds, again, real similar say they believe in Jesus. Now, they believe that um, when it comes to Jesus, that he didn't just, <clears throat> that he didn't die on a cross. They believe he died on a, on a stake. Um, and it's just a whole lot different. Uh, they have a high view of scripture that's only interpreted by the watchtower. Now, when they have their Bible, it's called the, the New World Translation. They have their Bible. I want you to give you an idea of some of the differences, like what this might look like. like well, how is it different? Uh, John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, right? Some of you guys have heard that verse. Their translation says, in the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word was a God, little g. The word was a God. Now adding one letter in there changes everything. Now we can't get into the details about all of that stuff, but you can hear the difference. The word was with God and the word was God. By the way, the word was talking about Jesus, the word is with God and the word was God is different than the word was with God and the word was a God. And there's a whole lot of other ones all throughout their Bible that are so much different in the way they took it and the way they, they understood Greek. And there's all these different things about what would happen. They, had, they even had trials that you can, you can look at the details of these trials where, where, uh, where Charles Russell was taken into court and he, and he said that something was true that wasn't true. And they, he, said, he said, I know Greek. And then they said, okay, well, here's a Greek alphabet. Can you tell me what these letters are? And he couldn't even identify the letters of the Greek alphabet. And he said, okay, I admit it, I don't know Greek. And he was saying that he knew Greek and so he understood and had a better translation of it. This is where a lot of these things come from, and I can't get into all the details, and there was a whole lot of other things in the trial that just totally, he basically continued to lie over and over again, and they continued to find him out, and he continued to say, you're right, I lied, it's not true, and stuff like that, over and over and over again before he died. But they have these different translations that all come from his interpretation of what the original language was. And so everything's shifted, everything's tilted, everything's twisted, and then another thing is <clears throat> they call themselves Christians. That's a big deal. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to know that they call themselves Christians. So if, you, if you're talking to one, they might say, yeah, I'm a Christian. You'd be like, yeah, I am too. But you're not talking at all about the same thing. Not at all. And so just because they use the same terminology, I want you to understand the difference. But one of the big questions is, how is someone saved? How are you saved? How do you, how do you experience salvation? What does it mean to be saved, to get to spend forever in heaven uh, with God or in their, in their version with Jehovah? It's through baptism in the church, the Jehovah's Witness Church, you have to be baptized. You cannot make it if you're not baptized and doing good works, doing good things. That's why, by the way, they go out, the more tracks they pass out and things like that, the more doors they knock on, they're, they're moving up the chain and they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. So salvation in Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, in, their, in that religion, you are saved by what you do. Saved by what you do. Now, there's a whole lot of other things, a million other things that I wish I could talk about, but I don't have time. I wish I could, but I don't have time to do that. So we're gonna talk about Mormonism 
Some of these are really similar. We're gonna move on to Mormonism. Let me give you the background. 1830, Joseph Smith founded the religion. All of this kind of started when he was 14 years old, and then he, he, he began to kind of, some things began to unfold. Uh, after a while, he had found the religion, and then there was a printing press that, uh, there was a local uh, media that was printing some stuff that was opposed to Mormonism because they were practicing polygamy. If you don't know what that means, that means like he would have more than one wife, and he had lots of wives. Joseph Smith had lots of wives. They started printing things about him, so he went and burned the printing press down. Burned it to the ground, got put in prison. Some of his followers decided they were gonna break him out of prison. And when he was breaking out of prison, he was shot and killed. And so this man named Brigham Young uh, took over and kind of took the lead and they moved from where they were and they moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, what they called Zion. And there's a big thing, you know, over there when, when he got there, he said, he said, this is the place, this is Zion, because they were trying to find Zion. He was actually really sick in the back of a wagon, and he said, this place will do, um, which is, I thought was kind of interesting when you're trying to find your, like, Zion, your home. Um, that's, what, that's what he said if you look in, in some Utah history. It's kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> but... Brigham Young took over. There's a university named after him called Brigham Young University. Anyone ever heard of BYU? All right, I'm a University of Utah fan growing up in Utah, um, so I'm not a big BYU fan. Basic beliefs about Jesus. Number one about Jesus. Jesus was the son of a God. Now, this is starting to sound familiar, some of these things. They're entirely different in some ways, and they're exactly the same in some other ways. Son of a God is what they would say. Lucifer was his brother. Their God is Elohim. They would say Elohim is the God of this planet. There's lots of other gods. We believe in one true God, and they believe that there's lots of other gods. And Jesus was the son. Lucifer was his brother. Who is Lucifer? Satan. Okay? They say that Jesus and Lucifer, Satan, were brothers, and they kind of had this epic battle for who would have control and how they would, who, who would rule and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus won uh, and got to come to earth to show people the way. And Elohim came to have a sexual relationship with Mary, and that's how Jesus came to earth and things like that. Now, there's a belief in Mormonism that Elohim, the way, uh, the way the earth is populated is that your parents created a shell. Now, I won't tell you how they did that. You can ask them, okay? They created a physical shell, and within that shell, a spirit came down out of, out of the, the pre-existent uh, realm, the spiritual realm, uh, and, and entered into your body, and that spirit came and entered into you. Now, that spirit comes when Elohim, the God of this planet, um, basically had spirit children with lots and lots and lots and lots of wives, spirit wives. So that's how it works. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about all of these things, but the goal of Mormonism if you are a male, is to become a god. The goal of Mormonism is to become a god. So even though they might say some of the same things, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and yeah, I want to go to heaven and stuff, that's not how it works. There's three different levels of heaven, and in the top level of heaven, there's three different levels within that heaven, and if, you make, if you're the best Mormon, you do it exactly right. And we'll talk about what that looks like to do it right. If you make it to the center, you hit, you hit the, the perfect route then you get to experience what they call exaltation. You get to become 
a God, which when you become a God, sorry ladies, you just hope to marry one that becomes a God is how it works, but the guys can become a God and then they get however many spirit wives they want and they get to their own planet to populate their own planet. That's the goal of Mormonism. Now, there's a whole lot of different angles when I talk to Mormons of things that really concern me. That's, that's at the foundation of it. That's the foundation of it, is that the ultimate goal is to become a God because that is the very first sin in all of history. What did Satan tell Adam and Eve in the, in the garden? Just eat this. They didn't want the fruit because the fruit just looked good. It always looked good. Satan walked up to him and said, but if you eat it, you will become what? Like God. So it's starting to sound maybe a little familiar to some of you guys how important it is to test these spirits because you realize that some of these things begin to shift. They believe in salvation by works. Uh, Through baptism, again, you have to be baptized in the church. There's other things you have to do. Uh, They'll go on their mission, and you have to to give money, and you have to consistently give exactly 10% of your income. If you don't, you're not going to make it, and you kind of fall out of good standing, and you try to stay in good standing by doing all these things, including baptism for the dead and things like that. And if you become a god, you get, like I said, to populate your own planet. Now, I want you to know a little bit about their, their scriptures. They have four different, what they call holy books. Uh, the Bible is one of them, but they believe the Bible only as far, in their, in their words, only as far as it's correctly translated. And what that really means is only as far as the translation aligns with what we believe. That's really what that means. Uh, and then they have the Pearl of Great Price, the book of uh, the, the Doctrine and Covenants, and then, of course, the Book of Mormon. Some people just think of the Book of Mormon. You didn't know that they had four that they would consider uh, their holy books. And I want to talk to you a little about how some of these other ones were, were translated, where they came from. I said that Joseph Smith found these golden tablets, and I'm trying to move as quickly as I can because we got a lot, a little bit more to cover. Uh, but He found these golden tablets and he stuck his head, the way he translated these golden tablets, which he was told where they were, he went and got them. He stuck his head into a hat and the golden tablets were in a box. He stuck his head into a hat. At the bottom of the hat was what was called a seeing stone. Now there's uh, some demonic practices with seeing stones, but this this is how he practices. So he stuck his head into a hat. In this seeing stone was words that would be translated for him from the ancient language, the Egyptian language, and he would restore the original, uh, the original uh, church is basically what they said is how it works. So he would read it, somebody else would write it down, he'd look in again, he'd read the words, somebody else would write it down, he'd look in again, read the words, somebody else would write it down. Now originally they said there was 11 witnesses to these, to these golden tablets. I want you to know that these 11 witnesses, none of them actually saw the tablets. They would say that, and it's written down. I mean, this is just 150, almost, or 200 years ago, just short of 200 years ago. It's written down. They said, we didn't see it, we saw them in our spirit, or we saw the box that they were contained in. And there were even other people out of those 11, there was a group of them that actually said, we never saw anything. Even though we said we did, we never saw anything. And so they were kicked out of the Mormon church, and then a couple of them even came back and said, okay, I admit it, I did, so that they could get back in. So there's all these different things, and he's looking in, and I want you to know that some of the things that happened, because Joseph Smith grew up in what we would call a Christian church, reading the Bible like the Bible that you and I read, but what would be the King James Version. 
And so he knew some of the Bible. And so some of what you find in the Book of Mormon is direct quotes from the King James Version of the Bible because that's what he knew. And so he was literally just reading it straight out. And one of the things that actually did happen in reality is somebody came and said, Joseph just read from these golden tablets. And the, and the wife of this man who was writing them down said, then you need to go back and ask him to read it again because if it's true, he will read you again word for word what he read the first time. So the man went back and Joseph Smith said, no, I got in trouble. That plate has been taken. I got to read to you from a different one. And he was never able to repeat because he could never repeat word for word. And this is how it all came together. And again, I don't say this to, 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 to anger anybody. I don't say this to, to belittle anybody. I'm telling you, this is how it came to be. This is how it was all started. Mormon, from the Book of Mormon. Chapter 9, verse 32 says, Now behold, this is from the Book of Mormon. Now behold, we have written this record according to our knowledge and the characters which are called among us, the reformed Egyptian being handed down and altered by us according to our manner of speech. In other words, we're translating this. So Brigham Young took this information to a professor at Columbia University who, was a, who, was, uh, who understood these languages, ancient languages and stuff like that. And, the man, and he said, is this true? And the man said, and this is all documented. This is less than 200 years ago, all documented. He said, is this true? And the man said, absolutely not. This thing is a fraud and your entire religion is a fraud. This is documented, written down. And Brigham Young said, you're right about this part. It is fraudulent. Brigham Young said this. He said, you're right about it. There are BYU professors right now and people way, way up who will tell you that a lot of the things written in the Book of Mormon are absolutely 100% untrue. 100%. They had things, they were talking about things uh, and wars and battles and instruments and, and weaponry that was used in ancient times that wasn't even in existence yet. They were talking about animals in the Western Hemisphere that were never in the Western Hemisphere at that time. There's a whole lot of different things that even, even people who, who say, I believe all these different things will say, that is absolutely 100%, that can't be true. But I still believe the other parts. I want you to know, this isn't, this isn't just me. This isn't just me, this isn't just my thoughts, this isn't just people that are bashing Mormonism. And we have no physical copies of any of this. Over the last 200 years, less than 200 years, the Book of Mormon has been tweaked over 4,000 times. 2,000 of them are like punctuation and things like that, but over 2,000 of them are literal doctrine. Let me give you an example. They practiced polygamy extensively. And by the way, there's a whole lot of things you can read on that. They, uh, Brigham Young had a lot, uh, Joseph Smith had a lot of wives. They just finally admitted that. The Mormon church admitted that within the last couple of years. And then Brigham Young had a lot of different wives. They practiced polygamy extensively. And Joseph Smith even said that if you practice polygamy, you'll be better when you receive your godhood status because you'll know how to handle all the many wives you're going to have. It's going to be better for you. That helps you get to where you need to be to be ready. In, I think it was 1890, let me make sure, make sure I got the right, yeah. In 1890, that all changed. Do you want to know why it changed? The government started talking to them. They had moved to Utah, which was actually a part of Mexico. Mexico had that property, they moved, or that territory. They moved to Mexico, or to, to where Salt Lake is now, and they were trying to gain statehood. The, the Utah was trying to gain statehood, and the United States of America said, absolutely, we will not give you statehood because you practice polygamy. The next day, 
Their prophet had a vision that polygamy was no longer valid. The next day after that happened. Now, there's a whole lot of other things that, that we could talk about, a whole lot of other changes that have been made, but I need you to understand from the foundations in just a short time how many changes have occurred the next day. When you have the civil rights movement, the color of your skin was, a, was, a sign, was signified, uh, if you had dark skin, it signified that you were a cursed race. So in other words, if, if you were black, that was a symbol to other people that you were cursed because of your skin color. And it, it's shocking to me, there are, there are people that are black and they're Mormon, I don't understand it. If you're not white and Mormon, it never makes sense to me. Um, because I'm like, do you understand what the foundation is of their doctrine that just because you're not white, you're cursed, and that's entirely against what the Bible would say, by the way. But some people still follow it, and I don't, I don't get it. But after the civil rights movement, guess what? They started to change some of that because it wasn't politically correct anymore. So their doctrine begins to change, and that's one of the things that they can do all the time. They have a prophet. They call themselves a living church, which means that they can make a change anytime they need to. The prophet just has to have a vision, and it's changed, just like that. Like I said, the main issue that I have is that it says that you can become a God. In Mormonism, just like Jehovah's Witness, you're saved by what you do. You're saved by what you do. Now, I'm going to be, I'm going to be done talking about them for just a second. And I want, I want to read you guys a verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. If you've been around the church for very long or read the Bible very much, you probably have heard or recognized this verse. <clears throat> it says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift, not by works, so that no one can boast. My wife, when I took her um, early on to Salt Lake, we were walking through what's called the Mormon Visitor Center, and it kind of teaches you about the religion. We had been in there for quite a while, and we were looking around, and they've got pictures of the life of Jesus, just straight from the Bible, life of Jesus pictures and all that kind of stuff. They got a, this big model of Jerusalem. We've been walking around the main floor for a long time. After, after about 10 minutes, she goes, I don't get it. I said, what do you mean? She said, I believe everything I'm seeing. I believe all of this. And then we went down to the basement. And it has all their prophets, and you start to see what's underneath everything else, and you say, oh, I get it now. I see why it's so twisted. On the surface, everything looks so nice and so similar to Christianity, but when you get down deep, you see the difference. And then you go up top, and you can see, see and hear some of the other things. The Bible says it's by grace you have been saved through faith. A, uh, a few years ago, I, was, I tried to teach my son what grace was, <clears throat> and he was in big trouble. He had done something he wasn't supposed to do, and he was supposed to get a spanking. And here's what I did. I took him and I said, I said, Brayden, I want you to know you deserve a spanking right now, don't you? Daddy told you not to do that and you did it, didn't you? Yes, sir. You deserve a spanking, don't you? Yes, sir. I said, I'm not gonna give you a spanking. Do you wanna know what that is? It's called mercy. I'm gonna give you mercy. And I started to explain to him what mercy was. Mercy is not, getting, not giving him something that he deserved. He deserved punishment, right? So my mercy was to say, I'm not gonna give you what you deserve. I'm not going to spank you. And then I wanted to take it a step further and I said, but I'm also gonna give you grace. And grace is getting something that you don't even close to deserve. And so I took him downstairs and I said, Brayden, 
You did something you weren't supposed to do. You deserved a spanking, but I'm going to give you ice cream. I'm not just giving you mercy and not giving you what you deserve. I'm giving you something you don't deserve. And that's what grace is, and that's what these two religions don't understand. They will say that you've been, you've been saved by grace through faith after all you can do. That's not grace. They believe you're saved by works, by the things you do. But I want you to know when Jesus hung on the cross, one of the last things he said, he said, it's finished. You're not saved by the things you do. You're saved by what Jesus has already done. It's not by what you do, it's by what he's already done. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Some of you tonight, maybe you're hearing this and, and you didn't know that what these religions believed, or maybe you even did, but tonight, maybe you need to know that God loves you. And you don't have to prove yourself to him to be worthy of being in relationship with him because guess what, you can't. No matter how good you are, you can never measure up. But here's the best news of all. You don't have to. Because it's not about what you do, it's about what he's already done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died on a cross for you because your sin was what separated you from God. You chose to go your own way and you said, God, I'm gonna do my own thing. You might not have done it consciously, but that's exactly what you're doing. You said, I'm gonna do this my own way. And your sin separated you from God. The Bible tells us very clearly, and history tells us that Jesus died on a cross, not on a stake. Like they say in Jehovah's Witness, he died on a cross for you and for me. He died a death that you deserve and a death that I deserve because of his grace. And he said, I'm gonna pay the price that you deserve to pay because I love you. And he died on a cross. And he rose again three days later. And that's documented all through history, not just in the Bible, through history that's documented. And here's what the Bible tells us, that it's by grace we are saved. And the Bible says that if we give our lives to him, we say, God, I need you, and I realize I can't do anything on my own, so I accept the gift that you offer me, the free gift that you offer me, and I give you my life. Then here's what happens. He comes into your life, he washes you clean, he makes you brand new, and no matter what you do, he takes care of everything. You're not baptized to be saved, like they say in both of those religions we talk about. Baptism is a symbol of what Jesus has already done. That old life, I'm done with that. He's washed me clean and made me brand new. So tonight, if you don't have a relationship with God, and you say, that's exactly what I need. I didn't know these things about God and how he loved me and how he offers me grace. And I don't have to measure up because I'll never be good enough. And some of you have been trying to measure up and you always feel like you're never good enough. And that's true because you're not. But he says, you don't have to do it. I've already done it. I've already taken care of it. And if you want to give your life to Christ tonight, if you say, I want to accept that free gift, I want to accept that grace that God offers me through his son, Jesus, then here's what you do. In your heart to God, not in your head, not in your mind, in your heart to God, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say, God, in the best way I know how, I turn from living my way, and I want to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for giving your son to die a death that I deserved. God, come into my life and make me brand new. 
I receive your grace. God, help me to never, ever, ever be the same again.